0: Heard at Sports Radio, every weekday morning from 7 to 10 a.m. On Thursday's show, we'll have staff writer for The Athletic, Mitch Sherman. We'll talk the odds with our Vegas insider, Brian Edwards. Catch it up with senior writer for Huskers 24-7, Michael Brunts, and Nebraska women's basketball head coach, Amy Williams. Take a dive into the latest news in all things sports. Heard at Sports Radio with Ravi Lula and Damon Benning. Chase throws it out, a flat, Birkin makes a catch, a tackle, 25, 20, 15, 10, 5, Rex Birkin,
1: touchdown, a rescue! A- Welcome to Church of the Corn, everybody. Thanks for joining us here on March 26th. I think I put the 25th on here. I did. Oh, well. Whoops. Yeah, uh, damn dr- it. Yeah, we're off. You slap
2: dick.
0: You
1: know, I had all this time to do it because I literally didn't even send the invite out until about three minutes ago, and I still screwed it up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it's all good. It's all good. Um, Drake, how are you, my friend? How was your weekend?
2: Good, man. Um, I've been, I, I just bought a, a used RAM uh, last week. It's got some problems, so I've been spending a lot of the weekend trying to diagnose that and watching basketball.
1: Yeah, it's uh, that's that's always the, well. Since you're going to be getting married here soon, that's all your weekends will be consisting of just fig- fixing problems and
2: eventually yeah, getting yeah. to watch shit on TV. Yeah. So yeah, this weekend has been dominated by the truck, the upcoming wedding, um, which you got your invite, I assume, right? I did. My, up. My wife okay. showed it
1: to me the other day. Okay, I said yeah, I know. Who Very is. low rent. We'll, we'll actually Very go, low rent. <laughs> we'll actually go to his wedding.
2: <laughs> All right, awesome, awesome. <laughs> glad to, glad to hear. It. I'm just saying, there's uh, been
1: many that I get that I don't go to because they're my family. So,
2: <laughs> dude, I don't, I don't even open my mail anymore because there's so many wedding invites and I'm too poor to buy everybody gifts. So, uh, the way I look at it is, I never received the invite. I would say your gift, their gift
1: is your presence at the wedding. You know. <laughs> There's you got to go really cheap if you're cheap like me. Is, oh, so is that what I should expect at ours? I You can expect to do a podcast at your wedding. How about that? I'm sure your your wife will really appreciate that.
2: Hey, you know what? Uh, you, you know what? We – I don't know if I'll be able to pull it off, but – Oh, God. Here we go. At the rate of our scheduling and, and the way we've done the schedule, we will have a podcast the day after. And and then her and I will be heading out to Vegas the day after that for a couple of days.
1: Oh shit! Well, you got a big uh, yeah. You got a lot to, got a lot, got a lot going on. I got
2: a, I got a fun May. It sounds like right. You got a very
1: expensive May. It sounds like.
2: Yeah, yeah, that too. Well,
1: that's um, Okay. Shit. But
2: yeah, you know, I'm. I don't. I don't know about you. I'm already warmed up. I just did an hour and a half long show following the Creighton loss, so um, I'm that's good right. to go. It,
1: Drake, if you know me, I'm never warmed up no matter how much of work I do beforehand. <laughs> so this, we're just getting what we get at this point. So, um, so uh,
2: I'm I'm in a group chat with with some of our fans and stuff on Twitter, and and they've just been roasting Creighton and thinking that it's really going to affect me. Um, and I know my my Twitter bio says certified J but I think a true J scar roots for Creighton. In basketball over Nebraska, and I don't do that. Like I, that game I don't really play allegiance. I lean Nebraska just because they, for lack of a better word, have been the little brother. That's fair.
1: That's fair. That's. I was going to ask that question to you because I know you're. You you do a lot with Creighton, uh, yeah. Like like the post game and stuff, but Mm -hmm. you're a big Nebraska Nebraska basketball fan. You're a big Nebraska football fan. I, I kind of wondered where the allegiance lied, or, or if it was always kind of fifty-fifty.
2: Yeah, no. So it, it 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 hasn't been my whole life. Um, I became a Creighton basketball fan, like truthfully. Uh, I obviously, like when I was a kid, I just I rooted for both Creighton and Nebraska because I went to both of their games. But you know, like when you get older and you develop like true allegiances, I was a hundred percent Nebraska all the way. Until that 2013-2014 season when Nebraska wasn't taking my phone calls and Creighton did, and I ended up on their staff for a season. Um, and I mean, I've said this. That, that might make soon, a little difference. <laughs> as soon as Mac is gone, I, I don't think I'm a fan of Creighton anymore. Um, unless, unless there's a couple of guys left. But most of the staff from when I was there is gone anyway, so I don't see that happening. Um, but even today, like – Nebraska fans coming at me both on on Twitter, text messages, whatever. Like,
1: and goddamn, they've been coming hot today.
2: Yeah, they have, and rightfully so. But here, here's a little bit of a pushback here. And as keep in mind, I'm a diehard Nebraska basketball fan.
1: What are you going to say? It's going to offend all the Nebraska fans now.
2: I think it's funny that that Nebraska fans are celebrating this Creighton loss in the Elite Eight when Nebraska can't even get to the Elite Eight of the Big Ten? Number one, how dare you? How <laughs> number dare? two, number two. hold on. I, <laughs> I was emotionally hedged in today's game anyways because I did a Calcutta the week before the NCAA tournament, and I took San Diego State, and San Diego State just won me another $250 back. So I'm not hurting. You guys can say whatever you want to me. I'm not hurting. <laughs> well, no,
1: no, you're actually winning this weekend. <laughs> you know, that, that... – I get it,
2: like I get the inter,
1: the interstate, you know, rivalry. But you can't you you can't say anything. I mean, Creighton, Creighton still made the elite eight today. I mean, they were still there. Um, you could say whatever you want about the foul at the end of the game. I love watching sport. I found out I really love watching sports where I don't have a team that's in it. It's that I can
2: just enjoy the game. Well, even then, like Creighton made the elite eight in a season that was very up and down, like. I I've said this numerous times on the Creighton show. And Nebraska beat them, right? Nebraska did okay, beat them. Okay, I just wanted to make sure that we yeah. got that clear. I feel like that's yeah. an obligation <laughs> at this point. Yeah, no, it definitely is. But I, I said it at the start of the season. I I said people talking final fours like let's let's slow down. We've been to the sweet 16 once. Uh, but that's now a big that they've been, now that they've been to the sweet 16 twice in three years, you know, last year they lost to the eventual national championship. And with a very depleted roster due to injuries and overtime, yes, now I think Sweet 16 is the bar. Like, moving forward, if if you don't get to the Sweet 16 during a good season, it's kind of a disappointment. That That's where I'm at with the program now. I still think this year is a win for Creighton this year. I really do. I mean, it um, has to be still, And I know we're not here to talk about Creighton. I just, I just thought that was kind of a funny conversation.
1: No, I mean, it's, it's honestly, I wasn't going to talk anything about Creighton today. Cause honestly, I'm indifferent to Creighton. Um, I feel like the biggest slap in the face is to be indifferent. I don't care what you do, positive or negative. I'm indifferent to you. I, that's my thing with Creighton. I've never had anything for him or against him. Really. It's, it is what it is with them. They're but, irrelevant. Yeah. To me, they're irrelevant. Um, but that's that's coming from a football fan that that primarily follows football. Like if they had a yeah. football team, they're they're zero three against Nebraska, I believe. But we're not we're not counting scores of <laughs> when Creighton had a football team here. I, I give Creighton nothing but credit for what they've done this year. I I hate saying that, but they made an elite eight. They played within .02 seconds of going to overtime. I mean that game couldn't have been much closer than it was. It was well, it was pretty fun to watch.
2: Here here's my thing, like. So I'm I'm a diehard basketball guy. You know that too. Like my my love for like watching all of college sports, basketball one, football two. Now, if I had to pick a team that I only could watch, it's Nebraska one, Nebraska football one, right? Like that's the way it is. But I love just watching college basketball. And what I what I tell people all the time when they ask about my elite, like I root for UNO and to be good too. Like you're Nebraska as a Nebraska. As a, and somebody that at a point in time was very heavily involved in in high school basketball here, not only as a player but as a coach, and then helping get some of those kids to college. Like I look at it from a different angle. I want all of the pro, all three of the Division One programs in the state to be very good. I want all the Division Two, all the and I, I want everything to be good here. And it's because I feel like our our talent level is so disrespected on the national stage for our high school kids. I think there are way, way more div- high level division one players here than people realize in the basketball world. And so those kids, a lot of those kids are ending up at UNO, uh, Tradeon Hollins led this country in seals for two years at UNO. Um, and he's, he's an Omaha central kid, a kid that I had the opportunity to work with. And I want the state to be represented well. So at the end of the day, when the schools play against each other, do I have a little like if when Nebraska or Creighton play UNO? Yes, I'm I want Nebraska and Creighton to win that game every time because those are the big dogs they should never lose to UNO. But do I want UNO to make it competitive? Yes, do I want UNO to make the NCAA tournament? Absolutely, and I want them to do well when they're there because it's a good representation of the state, and I just I've never understood like the true hatred outside of the game, like outside of the Nebraska Creighton game. Yes, that game can be pure hatred because that is your rival. But when North Carolina and Duke play, that you hate each other, but you want that other team to you want to be one two want, in the you conference want the together. highest the
1: highest caliber players that you can at that point to be yeah. the best. And you, you want, want the one two matchup.
2: You want both programs to be good because you want that game to decide the highest stakes. And I, I'm yeah. going to push back on Nebraska basketball fans here. I I don't know if you'll truly ever understand that until you get to a point where you're competing for conference championships in the Big Ten. And I, I say that to all of us. I'm a Nebraska basketball fan too. Um, and Does it hurt that none of the three teams are in the same conference? Does that kind of hurt my argument here? Probably a little bit uh, because, you know, Duke, Car- Duke Carolina, their ACC, uh, you could throw Syracuse and NC State into that argument too, Virginia. Um, but, yeah, I just – I want all three of the programs to thrive because it's good for the state, it's good for the high school kids, and it is good for the rivalry when both programs are good.
1: Yeah, I mean, nobody wants to watch a below 500 team play another below 500 team because the stakes aren't there. Like Nebraska at one point, I mean, kind of a few times a season seemed like the season was going in the dumper. Um, But, you know, you take your crosstown rival or cross state rival Creighton down in a big game. That's pretty emotionally pumped up. Like that's what you want. Honestly, if, if Creighton won every other game, I don't care. But being a Nebraska guy. I want Nebraska to win that one game. You know, it's it's kind of absolutely w- what game means the most to you. Now, that game shouldn't mean the most to you because it's not a conference game, but it is a cross-state rivalry game, so it's going to have some added fire to it. But I want Creighton to be as as good as they can be leading into that game. It's just like being healthy. I want every team to be 100% so you've got no excuses.
2: Yeah, no, 100%. Like I get it. My tw- again, my Twitter bio says "certified Sker. I don't. I don't think I'm a Sker by def true definition. Um, I obviously want to see Creighton do well because I have friends on the staff. But I, I either root for nobody or or have a slight lean to Nebraska in that game. In fact, when Nebraska won this year, and it's my first time doing the post game, like people were yelling at at us at DJs, and we were both kind of uh, like we didn't hate this game. We don't hate the outcome for this game. Like you guys are barking up the wrong tree.
1: Well, you know, uh, how do I say this nicely? There's a lot of stupid people out there, so <laughs> it, it makes sense. And I can't say that much nicer than that. Um, I, I, I'll i give one final kudos to Creighton for the the year that they had. They did. They made it. To now the we lead. just got to
2: get Nebraska there. Hey, you know
1: what, if we, yeah, let's get Nebraska just in the tournament at this point. If we can speak that into existence, like, it seems like we spoke some other things into existence, that would be super.
2: Hey, uh, yeah, uh, you know, last year, last year we saved Nebraska ball. Jack Mitchell said it on our show.
1: That's very true. We did last year. I don't think we did this year. We should have, because I guarantee they would have went to the tournament.
2: Yeah. It's kind of yeah, our we, fault,
1: I guess, at this point
2: we got to have a Nebraska ball seance. Hey, uh, speaking of Nebraska basketball, uh, obviously I didn't get to join you last week with Sam Griesel, but uh, that was that was a great show, by the way. Uh, I didn't get a chance to tell you.
1: I appreciate it. No, it, Sam was uh, he was fun to chat with. I was talking to him for about like 15 minutes before we got on to and a couple minutes after. But, man, he, he's just a good dude, genuinely nice guy. And, um, you know, I, it's like I said to him when we were closing up, one of the things that I think is going to stick around most for him is the way he was as a person. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, when you have a kid run up to you and that was a big thing he said is anytime I have a kid run up to me or this or this or this, I do not leave them. hanging. I take the autograph or I take the picture with them. To me, that's a sign of what, you know, uh, how great of a person he is and whatever professional league he goes to or professional team gets him, man, they're, they're getting a hell of a person.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, no, that, that was a great show. Sam Greasel's a great kid. Um, I wish he, we could have got him for another year. Uh, Absolutely, just because his, him and Derek Walker's impact on this program, I hope will be felt for years to come.
1: So, oh, I agree with you a hundred percent. Like what they did for that locker room, not necessarily on the court, but in the locker room alone, like setting the what the what you have to do to be successful in that locker room, like that that was huge for this year. I think with those yeah. guys, especially, um, I, one of the questions I did ask Sam. He obviously said if he had another year, he'd come back to Nebraska. But I asked him, I go, well, where would you go outside of there? And one of the teams surprised me, and one of them didn't. Um, Michigan State did not surprise me, because Izzo. But Northwestern did kind of surprise me. Yeah. But he gave kudos to the to the coaching staff on both of them, said nothing but great things about him. And that was the big drawing point. You know, if he can't if he couldn't come back for, to Lincoln for one more year, it was kind of the, the coaching staffs that – seem to have good relationship building. So,
2: yeah, I don't know if I'm picking any big 10 school for basketball personally. That's um, what I thought too.
1: I would have went toward the once I would like UCLA.
2: Once again, for about the take out a couple Final Four appearances for about 20 years, my argument that the Big 10 is the most overrated basketball conference has been validated. We have not won a title as a conference since 2000, and wow. we have the least. A, we have the least amount of Final Four appearances out of all Power Six conferences.
1: So that was another question: Was do you think the style of Big Ten play, um, not so much players, but play, has been a detriment to what the Big Ten's yes. seeing in, in postseason play? And I, I kind of thought the same thing, and it was a question he kind of pondered as well. But I, I think a lot of us think that. The style of play of is what's the detriment at this point.
2: Um, it's hard to believe I've been beating any drum for over 10 years as I'm just about to turn 33. But I've been beating this drum since I was in high school, so it's been over 10 years.
1: Uh, well, unless you didn't graduate until you were 23, then I would have to agree with
2: you. Yeah. Uh, I, I just – I was talking to uh, – I was talking to a, a, a basketball friend of mine this week, and um, he's an Iowa fan. And we were just talking about it. Boo. You know, you have you have Luca Garza and Kofi Coburn, two multi-year All-Americans in the Big Ten. Back to the basket centers. Their teams get bounced early in the tournament. Um, Purdue this year, I, they were like the number two or the number three ones. They were the second or third one seed bounce first round on the second number one seed to lose to a 16. Like that's insane. <laughs> the the tournament it, and I'll, I'll go out on a limb here and say this too. Like from a tournament perspective, this year it's been the worst officiated tournament I've seen in a long time. Like any game I've watched, there's been really questionable calls and really questionable calls it late. And I'm not just talking about the Creighton game today. Like, talking about k-state last night um drake miami weekend one like it's been a pretty pretty tough tournament for the zebras um but overall the ncaa tournament is geared towards talented guards like they want pace of play they want freedom of motion and in the big 10 where you get to hand check and practically play football on the hardwood Come March, you don't get away with that. You yeah. don't know how to adjust because you just did it for twenty four games.
1: Yeah, and it's that's
2: the we yeah see it every year
1: extremely physical and like you said, football on the hardwood. Best way to describe it.
2: <laughs> yeah, no, it's 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 ridiculous, and the thing that uh, the thing that drives me the most off the walls, bananas about it is there are guys that I will watch referee like I'm so in tune to college basketball. Like I recognize college basketball refs by name and they don't get near the time on the TV that a football official does. Um I will watch a guy ref like a big 12 game on Thursday night, Saturday night, they'll be in Lincoln and their officiating style does not match at all because the conferences are so different. And I don't, I don't know if like the head of officials for each conference, like, they they have like their own protocol of how they want things to go or if an official just knows hey I'm I'm on a home team's floor in a totally different conference
1: reputation
2: this shit's about to get wild if if I call it this way I I don't know how I don't know all the ins and outs there but you cannot tell me that John Higgins in Lawrence Kansas is the same John Higgins as he is in East Lansing on a Saturday night versus a Thursday night because it's not. And yeah. that's, not a shot at, that's not a shot at John Higgins. That's a shot at the conference.
1: Yeah, I mean it. It like you said, it's pace of play, it's physicality, it's it's, you know, it, I, I would say it depends on which venue you're in as well. Um, to some degree, I mean, it has to be in the back of your mind. You're still a person, so yeah. I, I don't know what you do to really change that. Um, I mean, I'm sure a basketball guy like yourself has some ideas, but me being a kind of lay person with basketball, I mean, give me, give me two things to fix it. And then we'll move on to football.
2: Well, I think to fix it, like
1: what, what gets the big I, 10 competitive I, not, not only in the big 10 play, but in March.
2: Well, I—it's just got to be a conscious effort from the entire conference to change the style. Like mm-hmm. the the Big Ten operates basketball the same way they do football. Now, football is, kinda, yeah, football has kind of started to evolve where they, you know, there's a couple of high-powered offenses out there, and you know they're they're getting more with the times, but the Big Ten is very much the. You know, I, I hate to say it, the Midwest hardworking culture, and we're going to we're gonna do it our way and our way only, and we're never going to adjust. Like, that's just what it is. So, like, coaches have to change their styles. Their, the coaches have been so successful, none of them are getting fired, um, other than, you know, maybe Fred at the end of next year and a couple other guys. But as a whole, Fran McCaffrey's had a hell of a run at Iowa. Tom Izzo is one of the elites. Um, why can't I think of the guy's name at Illinois? He's been very good. Is it Underwood? I lo- yeah, Brad Underwood. I love the guy at. Um, I actually really like the coach at Rutgers. I think he's done a hell of a job. Um, I think Maryland just changed coaches recently. Um, Penn State's new coach, hell of a job. Like, they're they have good coaches. But they coach to the style that the conference wants to play. And and truthfully, until Iowa, Michigan State's kind of an outlier because they, they're like a hybrid. They play they, they do enough to be competitive in the Big Ten, but they can always make a run in March. Um, but until Purdue, Iowa, um, Northwestern, Penn State, Wisconsin, until they kind of adjust their overall style, everybody has to keep up with them in the conference. So I I don't know a real answer on how to fix it unless the, the conference committee like puts their foot down and says, Hey, we have to adjust so we can win a title. Like it annoys me that the PAC 12 still calls themselves the conference of champions and they haven't won a champion and sh- championship and shit for decades. Yeah. Last, last PAC 12 title was, I guess, Oregon state won a couple in baseball, but out. Let's talk, let's talk the two major sports, men's basketball, men's football, or only men's football. Um, USC. 04, 05? 04, yeah, the USC title runs. Yep. Uh, that was it. One of which has been vacated, I believe.
1: Uh-huh, yep. Well, that's And that's bullshit anyway. Give Reggie back his Heisman, too.
2: Yeah, yeah, 100%. 100%. But my point is, like, Pac-12 is doing more than than the Big Ten on, on both of those fronts. Well, not football but they're doing they're doing a hell of a lot better job in basketball.
1: Yeah, I mean, yeah, they, they uh, they've had they had a lot I can't I, I can't remember how many teams they even had this year in the in the tournament, but I know
2: they had a pretty pretty good showing for the most part. Um, I think it's ridiculous that the big Ten continually is like up there with the most teams in the tournament. I, I don't do, do Give me, uh, me off the big Ten because I, I could do this for a week.
1: Okay, well, we'll get you off the Big Ten. Let's talk recruiting then, because it was a big recruiting weekend. Yes, um, it was. Biggest one of all time, I would say, talent-wise, talent-wise. Um, oh, yeah. The amount of dudes that you had that were five-star and four-star, um, you know, obviously it was headlined by Raiola. You had uh, Baker, who actually seemed to have a great time here in Lincoln as well, mm-hmm. uh, That the tackle. And then – if you get the tackle, hopefully you can get the running back who said himself, uh when I'm running behind him, no, I I, I know there's yardage there because yeah, I'm confident running behind that guy. Um, you know, he had Nelson, Gradney, who's already on, committed, but
2: Carter Nelson. Yeah. Is it crazy to you that he is getting looks at from Georgia and Bama already?
1: It is because when I looked I watched a lot some film on him and um, he is physically very talented, but like it, it I don't know, it's it seemed like that kind of bully ball thing where he's just bigger than everybody. So that's yeah. not fair to him, but he's a very talented kid.
2: Yeah, I I just I think it's weird when we have small smaller class kids getting recruited by by division one programs, let alone back to back title Georgia. Yeah, and when they come
1: sniffing around, so there's something In the
2: there. perennial powerhouse of Alabama. Uh, but what's even more interesting to me is on three has Nebraska won K-State two for him. Yep. Well, like, it's even more wild to me that K-State is ahead of Georgia and Bama. Like, obviously, I think Nebraska is ahead of everybody in his recruitment. I just think it's wild that K-State's number two.
1: I do too, but the only thing I can think of is – You've got a great relationship with Colin Klein, and you've got a great relationship with Kleinman. That's all I could think of. Um, the relationship
2: proximity,
1: that, like yeah, you know Ains- the Ainsworth family, and Manhattan aren't as far as you know Athens from Ainsworth is.
2: Yeah,
1: I, I do. Th- I I agree. It is kind of crazy because he plays eight man football too. I believe. Um,
2: Are they that small? I. I, I For some reason, I thought it was eight-man. I thought
1: it was eight-man. I could be wrong on that, but I could have swore it was. Um, And for him to get love from, like you said, the defending national champions, like, oof. I mean, it's it's good Nebraska got in there early, but that tight end room, if they can get him and a couple other guys like Flint uh, that they offered as well. And I thought they offered one more big one from uh, Missouri. Where the – what the hell is his name? Um. Damn, Uh, Jaden Riddell, they can get those three, that tight end room is looking completely different than it did body-wise and athleticism-wise.
2: Yeah, plus who you have leading the tight end room this year.
1: Yeah, if uh, Fedoni can come back healthy, which it sounds like um, Rule is – And Eric Gilbert. And kind of treating him with kid gloves. And if you can get a healthy, mentally focused Gilbert, like – that's a dangerous twosome, at tight end that mm-hmm. has a lot of potential.
2: Yeah. This this recruiting class was was so imp- – this recruiting weekend was so impressive. You had Ryan Wingo, um, Williams, Nwar- Nwani. Yeah.
1: yeah, the top – uh, I think she, he's number – he was top ten in the country, but he's number mm-hmm. one in this position.
2: Yeah, he's number one in his position, number nine nationally. Yep. Um, We're we're on the outside looking in there, it looks like, but sounds like he really enjoyed the weekend.
1: Yeah, you know, it it sounds like they they did um, exactly what this weekend was supposed to do. Um, And, you know, I, I put this out earlier, and I'll just kind of repeat myself. Just because a player doesn't necessarily commit after a um after this weekend doesn't mean this weekend was a flop at all. The idea no. from this weekend, an unofficial visit, is to get the official visit. Once you get the official visit,
2: that's when you want to close. Well, not even that. Like I I'm gonna tie this back to Dylan Riola really quickly. Like when you're recruiting these kids that are, are big time recruits. I don't know if it's better to get the first official or the last official or somewhere in the middle. Like, I really don't know the answer to that, but if these kids have multiple OVs scheduled, like keep in mind, like you have to rock out the weekend that they're here because, and and that comes from us too. Like fans keep hyping them up because there's a couple of these guys that have posted stuff from visits from other schools and the comparison to the interactions that they get from Nebraska fans versus you know XYZ school fans is astounding. So like Dylan Ryola, you and I are kind of in the same boat here. I I kind of secretly think he's he's been a soft, silent commit for a little bit. He wants to know who else will come. And I think that's why he's making so many unofficials. And this weekend was obviously an OV for him, I believe. But I think he's coming here so often unofficially to help peer recruit. I, mm-hmm. I think he's a soft commit. But, you know, we got to land some of those other guys for him to be a hard, hard commit and make it public.
1: Yeah, that that's why I landed too, is I think – I thought he's been committed for quite some time now. Uh, just kind of a handshake agreement under the table between him and Rule that says, um, you know – obviously I want you to take all your officials. I want you to make sure this is the right place for you because for him to commit to Ohio state and then decommit and then commit to another school and then decommit at that point, it's no longer a school problem. Now it looks like it's a you problem. Yep. So if you can keep it looking like a school problem, Hey, that, that's perfectly fine. Um, I think part of that handshake agreement is Nebraska. You have to, show us that you can put a product on the field or at least make an attempt to get these high-caliber guys in to take the next step to become a winning program. I think that's the the other part. Um, Yeah, absolutely. um, Because if with the amount of guys that they had coming in, uh, another one that I'm pretty excited about, and I think he was kind of underlooked, but that Gatlin Bear um, receiver from Idaho, which proves if you're a great player or a good player – Coaches are going to find you. It doesn't matter where you're at. The Mm -hmm. kid's a freak track athlete. Um, He's one that, man, if they can lock him in, you've got a really good deep threat potentially in the future with his straight line speed.
2: Oh, yeah, without a doubt. Without a doubt. I mean, so I I don't know, like – I've been on record that I'm a little bit worried about the new style of offense and huddling all the time and how we're going to be able to recruit and sign. Like, obviously you can get in on recruiting kids, but like how are you going to sign all these top end position players with the promise of getting them to the pros? If you are running a slow methodical big 10 style offense, like, these coaches are obviously doing something that I don't understand because I have no idea how you sell that.
1: So I think for, and from what it sounds like, uh, there was a couple of really good quotes from Bear, um today from when he was talking with Munson that basically they are going to be a, I don't want to say a run-heavy offense, but they're going to do whatever they got to do to pull, get the safeties pulled down so that they can go deep over top. I honestly don't think this is going to be a – you know, we're going to take the play clock all the way down within 10 seconds of the play clock expiring. I think this is going to be an offense that is somewhere between what we've seen with the Scott Frost offense and somewhere what we've seen with a three yards in the cloud of dust. I think they're going to not take what the defense gives them. I think they're going to impose impose their will a little bit more, but through the running game, and and I don't think it'll be – a. I think it'll be more of a muddle huddle. Where it's, say hey, let's let's you know we got these guys in you guys stay out there and we we're we're kind of no huddle a little bit more I guess.
2: Yeah. Okay. Okay.
1: That's that's kind of my read on it and what I think it'll look like. But shit, you never know with with what comes up throughout spring. You know, I don't yeah it, for it sure change the entire scheme, but you might have to throttle back or throttle forward on how
2: fast you want to play the game. Yep. Okay. So you said you thought. We locked up a couple of these guys this weekend. Who do you think we locked up? I I do. I think we got two.
1: I think um, the two that we have, and I don't know if they'll announce, but I think we got. Um, obviously, we had Gradney already, but I think Ian Flynn, um, the tight end from Texas. I think he's in, and I think Gibson Pyle. I think those are my two that I think Nebraska locked up this weekend. Okay. Um. And and honestly. Pile, so he's a right tackle in uh, Texas right now. I, I could see him moving inside to guard and being a dude that could really move the pile. You know, he's, he's a nasty player. He's six foot four, two seventy five right now. He's got some mobility, but I just I'm not sure about the uh, footwork on the outside. Yeah, but then that footwork on the outside, you've got some rare athletes out there that are playing that position. You know, it's you. You got to be able to be quick and nimble to move with a freak athlete that runs a four or five or a four or six as, as a defensive end.
2: Okay. I so, can, I, I, I'm not going to argue with any of that. Um, you know, one Which that is i kind of my, my role on this podcast is to <laughs> just argue with you.
1: That, that is very true. That's why I keep you around. Uh, no other takes. Um, <laughs> there's just, if if I had to, cause you had the list pulled up. If there's three dudes from this weekend, and I'll include um, Thursday and Friday. No, let's go all the way back to Monday the 20th because that's when Willis McGahee the fourth was here as well. Mm-hmm. So going all the way back to the 20th of last week, not including Dylan Raiola because we both think he's already in the class, give me three recruits that you think Nebraska has to sign that we had visit in the last week. Oof. And then it's, it's not counting Raiola because I've, I've got – three yeah. and obviously I obviously want one of them's a, a offensive lineman. I,
2: I think you need to get, get Gibson pile. Um, you need to get Caleb Benning and so Jim in Minnesota has been really high on Caleb. I I am too. I, I think, I think he's a lot undervalued in yes. terms of his recruiting ranking at a three-star. Um, and I think part of that simply is a the the level of talent in the state. Let's call it. Let's call it what it is. It, uh, now, it, is it significantly better than where it's been? One hundred percent. But I think it's still disrespected to the point where, he, when you have a guy that is, you know, somewhat dominant on both sides of the ball. That they actually get hurt more than they get helped. So, I think I think Caleb is undervalued because he's so good on both sides of the ball, and and the recruiting, you know, gurus we'll call them, are are penalizing him based off of that. Um, which I know sounds really stupid. It does. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense. But it, you know. When you go into places where there's not a lot of talent and you can dominate, people people want to know like can you do that against the higher the higher caliber.
1: Which is kind of why I'm surprised that Nelson isn't getting penalized.
2: Yeah, and and so like that you know It's kind of that weird double standard it seems like. Yeah, so like obviously that's a good counterpoint to what I'm saying. I just really feel like Caleb is is better than what he's getting credit for.
1: Oh, I agree. I think he's a tremendous athlete, not only on the, on the football field, but on the basketball court as well. I mean, he's, he's got great, great genetics. I mean, uh, he's a baller. I just, I think he is a four-star player. And like you said, I think he's getting disrespected right now.
2: Yeah. Um, And honestly, man, so like, we both know line is important, right? You can get before, I guess, Drake. I know how this no, works. No, line line is super <laughs> important. I what I'm saying is I'm leaving line out of this because a everybody knows it's important. Okay, but That's fair. I don't think I don't think you you get the momentum that that you the, that we need going into the 2024 class with a few of our first commitments being on the offensive line. Mm-hmm. I think the momentum comes from the high level skill players. So my 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 true three are Nathaniel Frazier, um, Mario Buford, and and then I'm I'm gonna go uh three A or three B in Caleb Benning and Ryan Wingo. Ooh,
1: I I like those picks. Those are really good picks, especially Buford. Um you know, him being and, a and I think Buford and is gonna.
2: I think Buford's gonna sign. I, I think they have a real shot at Frazier. Um, yes, I know line is important, like Brandon Baker is super important. If you can get Brandon Baker, that Baker huge. was
1: my number one. So,
2: right, if you can get Andrew Sprague out of Kansas City, that is huge. Um, if you can get Jacob Smith, the edge rusher, out of Connecticut, that is huge. Absolutely. I just don't think that you pick up the momentum that you that you want and need with the line guys because they're not as well known, right? Mm-hmm. Like their highlight film isn't impressive to the casual fan. And you know, do you remember do you remember when we were in high school and Michigan had Sam McDuffie in his highlight reel of just oh, yeah, hurdling people? Yeah, hurling yep. people all the time. He ended up doing nothing in college, but that recruiting class had but God damn it, did you see that jump? Yeah, that recruiting class had so much hype and that's what that's what we need right now. We need that and obviously the day Dylan announces if he, if it is indeed Nebraska, like then everything comes rolling in from everything that you need because mm-hmm. people Dylan's the type of kid that people want to play with and they want to go to war for
1: yeah exactly and that's that was going to be another question i have for is do you think the momentum if and when and if he commits to nebraska that's when i feel like the the train really starts going and i feel like a lot of these conversations may be had behind closed doors between him and these other guys already
2: yeah well i so i think like i think a couple of it a couple of them it's going to be like domino like it's going to go dylan wingo and like three other guys all in a row all in the same week like um, I, I think there's a, a group of guys that are on board and they are just waiting for Dylan to squeeze the trigger.
1: Yeah. I think a lot of people really like what rules doing. Uh, and, and it's not so much like the, what Nebraska has to offer, but I think a lot of what his style that's going to make him successful in college again is, is one thing that doomed him in Carolina. It was the relationship building. He wanted to build these relationships with these guys and, and, he couldn't because he knew he might have to come the next day. So that's hard in the pros, but in the, in college, you're spending a lot of time building these relationships with these guys, making them comfortable, um, you know, letting them know where they fit in with your program. Like that's the reason that rule is going to be successful off the jump with no proven results at Nebraska.
2: Yeah. Uh, I want to get off recruiting a little bit. Okay. Um, So, I, I don't know how I ended up in these multiple Nebraska fan group chats but um I'll, I want to touch on the quote unquote temporary suspensions of a couple of players it was proposed to me and I immediately shot it down because I think it's dumb but I'm gonna ask you okay hey we're gonna we're gonna circle this one around anthony grant do you think Anthony Grant is being treated to a different expectation, fairly or unfairly, than the rest of the team? And that's why he's away from the team? Um, or, and this this was my pushback. My pushback was if they just don't want him around, they would have told him to leave by now.
1: Yeah. if, if the, I mean, it's been proven that this staff is, if they don't want you around, you're not going to be around. Um, yeah, there has been a, a pretty large washout of guys already. A lot of them walk-ons, but some previous scholarship guys, especially in the tight end room, I mean, they don't want you around. You're not going to be there. I don't feel like he's being unfairly treated. I mean, we know previously, uh, I, I thought previously he had some academic issues. Um, usually you, if you go to junior college, it's usually for a couple of reasons. You got to get your grades in check or you were in trouble. There's usually no in-between there. now. His, or both. I, or, or both, yeah, of course. Um, you just usually don't bump down from Division One to JUCO for no reason. Um, so I feel like this staff is maybe helping him prioritize what needs to be the first thing student then athlete, by pulling the athlete part away from him for a little bit.
2: Yeah, and that that's kind of what I, where I was going to go with it, too. And I'm not taking a personal shot at Anthony Grant. Um No, I absolutely most, love Anthony Grant. M- most guys who end up at Florida State, if it doesn't work out there, don't end up at a military institute. Yep. Right? Like, they end up at a smaller Florida school or another small D1. You go Florida Atlantic, um, Florida International, or, yeah, you know, the, something else. The reason he left Florida state is more than it just wasn't working out on that team. And you, and you know, that because of where he ended up, Mm -hmm. Uh, I very rarely know of stories of D one bounce backs to Juco strictly just to go get more film. Like that, that's not a, it happens. Sure. But I don't, that's a big,
1: that's a big bounce.
2: I almost know for a fact that that's not the case here. I'm not. I'm not going to say 100. Um, percent I, I, I'm not 100 percent familiar with the entire story of Anthony Grant pre-Nebraska, and I'm not going to pretend to be. Um, but my point is, like, if Matt they would have just dismissed him from the team, like if they didn't want him around.
1: Absolutely, that'd be the easiest thing to do. It frees up scholarship.
2: Yeah, and we already you're have already to over. cut guys. Like, if, yeah. if you have to cut guys, you're not gonna. You're not gonna like. Hold their hands and make sure they do their job. You're just going to say, Oh, you didn't do it. It's time to go.
1: Yeah. I mean, there's no in between about that. You're building a new culture here. And I mean, you heard it from a couple. I think it was Ethan Piper who said it. We were babied by the last staff.
2: Yeah. And you know what? Here's my other thing, too, Zach. Like, if you are holding him to a higher standard and you are being hard on him, that's fine. Like, you have to, like, when you are a new coach and you're taking over a program. At any level, at little league to you know flag whatever it is, like you hold your better players to a higher standard. I mean, they talk about it all the time. You have Bill to. Belichick, Bill Belichick used to rip Tom Brady's ass at practice, so other guys knew, like, hey, if Tom Brady's getting his ass chewed out, so am I. So I have to be on my A game every fucking day. Like, well, no. I don't, I don't I'm, like this theory that they're being harder on somebody because they don't like him. Because that's not true. If they didn't like him, they didn't see a fit for him. He'd be gone already.
1: I can't, I'm not going to hold my starting quarterback to the same standard. I'm going to hold my second string punter, my starting quarterback. I know that I need to have him Nat's ass on. So yeah, I'm going to be a lot harder on him than I will than this other guy. That's not in the starting picture. Um, I mean, as a strength and conditioning coach, like I'm around pretty good athletes all the time. and, And, and even when I'm working with normal folks, Pretty good athletes. I'm going to hold them to a much higher standard than I would to someone that's just starting. Like it's just common yeah. sense. Um, yes,
2: like if we're if Nathan we're not going to act like that's the thing. For four years. He he
1: knows the drill. Exactly. At this point, you know what's expected of you. I mean, Matt Rule brought out, brought it up. You know, when you take over a team that had an, uh, a GPA collective of 3.1, you know, they're they're not. It's not like they're not doing what they're supposed to. They're doing exactly what they're supposed to, to a degree as an yeah. as as an uh student now we're got to figure out the athletic side of things so i i don't feel like he's being treated any differently he may be they may be treating him um i don't want to say a little rougher like the real world would but if you don't do what you're supposed to do in the real world what do you think it's going to do it's going to chew you up and spit you out unfortunately
2: well here's the other thing too like maybe i talked out of both sides of my mouth there I, no, I no, no 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 you're fine like let's look at Xavier Betts, for example, right? I, I would not be mad if they had a shorter leash on Xavier Betts because of the problems he's been known to have, right? Like It, it makes sense. <laughs> it's common you, sense. Yeah, like in this day and age when things can get out so fast and things can spiral so much faster, like you can't necessarily let them get away with the old-fashioned Tom Osborne you know, boys will be boys. Oh, yeah, he's my. He, I'm his only father. For like, it doesn't work like that now because of the access to social media and stuff. So you have to have a you have to have a, to- a shorter leash on those guys and and be a little bit harder on them.
1: Yeah, I mean, you, you have you have to at a certain point. Um, you just can't treat a fourth year guy like a freshman and vice versa, um, especially if they haven't been ingrained in the culture or anything like that. Like it yeah. makes
2: it's common sense but specifically in the player development department, like you have more eyes on in an area in in off the field scenarios. Like Xavier Betts problem was never on the field. It was between his ears and off the field. Right. Like, and you know what? We've taken some pot shots at Dion for some stupid things he said and stupid shit. Um, But he did say something last year that I totally agreed with, and you know, was it when he's wearing his cowboy hat? I don't, I don't know what he was wearing. (laughs) I just, I read an article. That was a hell of an Uh, article, by the way. uh, He said, (coughs) "Excuse me, they need to allow for bigger staffs in college football now. Now that players are able to get money, and I don't disagree with that." especially when you have some of these guys clearing six figures at 17, 18, 19 years old, because for them, that's life-changing money. Oh, absolutely. And, and so I I do think that the staff should be bigger. And ha- if it's on the field assistance, great. I don't see the NCAA changing that. But um, getting the, allowing them to have more support personnel to help these kids in different ways um, cause you know, you know, the old saying, more money, more problems, right? Oh, um, absolutely. The, these kids now have even more to worry about. Like, yes, is their life getting a little bit easier because they have money? Absolutely. But is there a lot more to like paying taxes? They are paying taxes that Nebraska is not an easy state to fill out taxes in. Um,
1: and yeah, it's expensive.
2: Yeah, so now they're paying taxes, and those kids are paying taxes. A lot of those kids are paying taxes in multiple states now, because you know their permanent residence is not technically University of Nebraska. You have to have people teach them how to manage money. You have to, you know, Dakolus Crawford did commercials last year. Somebody has to help him manage a schedule so he's not missing class or workouts, and knows when he can make make a an appearance to do a commercial or do an appearance at, at a fundraiser or whatever it is. Like these kids do need more help managing their day-to-day life now, because we, we can't put the toothpaste back in the tube. And, you know, I know from being a former court college athlete who also had a job, cause I was at a different level. It, it's, it's fucking hard, man. It, it is hard to manage your day-to-day. Um, and, now, when you when you're thrown into the fact that these kids are signing contracts for potentially up to six figures, some of them potentially seven to eight figures, like we're we're talking about something totally different now, and and they need the the NCAA would be doing them an injustice if they didn't find a way to allow schools to build the structure to help them.
1: Yeah, and I think that's an interesting – a really good point because I feel like that's how Rule built his staff. With with having so many off-the-field personnel, Um, I think it was Dr. Elza from uh, Texas who has a lot – not only a lot of Texas connects, but she, she pretty much touched a lot of those lives on a daily basis. So she's familiar with a lot of them and kind of what they face um Mm -hmm. and cj because calzado or or, or, i know i just butchered his name but another off the field guy so i feel like he he's kind of set it up in a way to help these kids be a little bit more successful than than previous even though the the um the stuff was there to use maybe players just didn't feel comfortable using it i don't know at this point
2: yeah i don't know either
1: it's it's I don't know. I, I do really like the way that Rule has created his staff. I think he's built it um, like he would a Fortune 500 company, as far as the levels of what he wants. You know, you've you've got experienced coordinators, inexperienced position coaches, experienced head coach, and I feel like Nebraska has given him everything to say. Make this successful at this point.
2: Yeah, uh, I mean. You know, rule has the full support of both the fan base and the athletic department. Um, I, I think even if they end up breaking some rules, Trev's going to go to war for this guy because that's his guy, right? Um, but I think I think Trev, is, like, if rule says he needs something that's outside, that would be considered coloring outside the lines of of the antiquated NCAA rule book. I think Trev is going to, you know. Put together a commission, not only of Nebraska, but other schools that are fighting the same problems and petition the NCAA and do a hell of a job fighting that battle.
1: Yeah, it it seems like whatever, for the most part, that rule wants Trev is going to back. Rule, to me, just doesn't seem like much of a rule bender, honestly. (laughs) He he seems like a pretty straightforward guy, which I honestly feel like is what Trev wants. Uh, It's just a straight
2: shooter. And he's hired enough people on his staff to – to learn all the rules. Like, the college game has changed since rules left, right? So, like, there's some things he needs to get caught up on, and he hired all the right people to help make sure that that is never a problem with this team.
1: Oh, absolutely. And and that's what you want. You want your your head coach to be the CEO. Yeah, Let everyone else kind of deal with the problems on their side or their position or, or this or this or this. You concentrate on growing the program. Mm-hmm. Um, and one last thing, and uh, you know, I'll kind of harp on this is if if Matt Rule feels like he's got to micromanage these guys, he didn't do he didn't hire the right person. Um, no. If you feel like you've got to micromanage someone and you, and you don't trust them to do the job you hired them for, you got the wrong person in that position.
2: Well, yeah, and I think Rule hired everybody at their position, at, especially for on-field assistants. He hired grinders. He exactly. hired guys that not every one of those guys like him and Tony white don't have a great history together. I don't know if they have any history together, but they mesh well yep. personality wise. And you know, a lot of these guys he does have ties to, but
1: a lot of former they, players, which is, Hey, if that's how it works, great.
2: I, who cares at this
1: point? Just make dude, it work.
2: I, honestly, I think hiring former players is great from a coaching standpoint. If they can coach, like that's the key, right? Like not every player makes a good coach. I get that. But, you know, I can tell you from when I was coaching high school basketball, I was coaching for a guy that I used to play for. And when those kids are having problems, not, maybe understanding or having questions about why things are done a certain way, being the adult in the room that also went through that exact same thing, you get a little bit more weight with those players and you, can, you when you go to explain it.
1: I mean, that makes sense. I feel like and not only that, but I feel like there's just a different level of connection because you built that trust. Yeah. Uh with with a guy like Maguire who played under him for a couple of years or and, and or four years, I can't remember what his exact career was, but you've already got the experience to know what the culture he wants to set is. Yeah. So not only are you gonna preach it because you've been a part of it, but you've lived it.
2: It's it's it made and, you successful
1: to get to where you like, are.
2: Here's the other thing. Like this is one thing that I always look for in a coach when they take over. What ha- like If there's turnover on the staff, why is there turnover? Rule doesn't fire a lot of staff members. They get elevated positions elsewhere. Like, he develops coaches. That's why he gets grinders. He wants guys that want his job someday. So he helps develop them. Like, that's a sign of a good coach, in my opinion. And, um, again, like, obviously he was not my number one pick, and I was not absolutely thrilled when we got him, but – the more research I've done, the more I've listened to him talk, the more I've listened to his assistants talk. Like I don't have a bad thing to say.
1: No, he's knocked it out of the park every step of the way thus far. And he's, I, he hasn't really had to deal with a difficult situation, but it's amazing how much easier your life can be when you kind of keep your nose out of difficult situations or try to make them, you know, make it happen. Yeah, right. um, And and being organized or detail orientated and having a plan all kind of make a difference. But, Uh, Drake, do you have anything else, my friend? No, I'm good, brother. Awesome. Well, it was uh, a blast having you back on here and doing a show with you again. Uh, Hopefully Creighton doesn't get in the way of that anymore.
2: Uh, i don't <laughs> i don't see that
1: happening no i just wanted to get one more shot in it creighton uh right, take um, those pot shots i'll take what i can get at this point well everybody thank you very much for joining us here on church of the corn uh part one and part two um have a great week everybody we'll talk to you later have a good one thanks guys see you man
2: members of the corn congregation let's raise our kool-aid
1: filled glasses and drink to all the things that were are and forever will be nebraska corn huskers Go big red.
0: A heard at Sports Network production. Heard at Sports Radio, every weekday morning from 7 to 10 a.m. On Thursday's show, we'll have staff writer for The Athletic, Mitch Sherman. We'll talk the odds with our Vegas insider, Brian Edwards. Catch it up with senior writer for Huskers 24-7, Michael Brunts, and Nebraska women's basketball head coach, Amy Williams. Take a dive into the latest news in all things sports. Heard at Sports Radio with Ravi Lula and Damon Benning.